0: Yeah, our dear listener, thank you so much for coming back again to our conversation with Ngobi Kagai. Yes, uh, I'm really happy again to have you in this conversation. This is part two of the conversation with a poet, a writer, a publisher from Kampala, Uganda, and at the same time, an artist. So, our dear listeners, we are happy to have you again this wonderful week. I hope you enjoy this part of the conversation. Welcome to a brand new episode, Hear My True Story. Yes, our dear guest, uh, Kagai, thank you so much for joining us on the Hear My True Story podcast. Yes, please, um, I'm really, really excited to have you today, and I don't know what I can say. But could you please maybe introduce yourself to our dear listeners, and they get to know you Who are you?
1: Otako, thank you so much for having me. I am equally excited to be featuring on the podcast this week. My name is Kagai Ngobi, and I am a poet. That is what I do for a living.
0: So, Kagai, could you maybe tell us what inspires you to do activism? I mean, to do political poetry. Like your book, there's uh, a, a poem here, Freedom Is, and then say a poem, the audience must say, A Main. Yes. What, what really makes you be so strong to do activism in an environment like Uganda? I'm a Ugandan. I know the political environment of Uganda. I mean, for mm-hmm. our listeners, the political environment of Uganda is quite not that, I would say, democratic as the way they say it. You need to be a very yes. strong artist. A very strong poet, yes. po- poet to really yes. speak your mind, speak your voice. Kagai, mm-hmm. you are free to talk about this. Why? Why did you? Where is the strength coming from to, to be political in your poems?
1: Uh, I don't, I, I think for me it was, like I said, it was in my upbringing. Um, my parents were always, uh, they always allowed us to engage with public information about our country. Also, I am passionate passionate about uh, Ugandan history. And uh, my father had so many books I read about Uganda's history. So even when I I went to school, you know, uh, for me, I was very passionate about Uganda's history. But um, beyond that, me, I was raised by poor parents. Uh, That is the truth. uh, My parents were... I was raised by poor parents who took us to the best schools you know, because they wanted us to have a better, you know, a, a better future than 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 one that they had, uh, that than one that they had for themselves. Mm. And so, um, I, I I I I lived among children who are privileged, who took for granted the, the advantages that life had given them. And for me, it, it, they were so obvious. You know, uh, I we were always just home for not having school fees and all this. And 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 then also, I was aware that you know the poverty that my parents suffered was not inherent. It was structural, you know, because of the government policies, you know, and and the corruption and 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 you know the tribalism that we face, mm. you know, the stereotyping that we face. But so what I wanted was a better society, a better society. Even ever since I was young, I. I, I, I was always speaking against human rights. I always spoke against... My teachers came in school because I was aware of my human rights. I wanted a society that was better for me. And so, I'm, one of the reasons why it was easy for me to stop being a lawyer and become a poet was because with, through poetry, I realized that I didn't have to... I didn't have to wait to to graduate. I didn't have to wait to qualify. Mm. I, I, I I had... If I had the space to 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 influence minds and talk about you know what I think is going wrong with our country, why you know why in, in 1980 we were the same our, our economy was at the same level as Singapore, you know, and 30 years down the road we are worse off And Singapore, you know, took off the right track, why? you know, our constitution keeps being amended left, right, and center in favor of one political party, you know? Mm. And I also understood the role that politics plays in the daily lives of the people, you know? Mm. like If you you talk about the price of sugar, the price of bread, the price of oil, those are political decisions. If you talk about the quality of education, you talk about the quality of health care, you you, know, we talk about you know, the, the high in, you know, infant mortality rates that we have. We talk about the poor roads, you know. Those are all, you know, political decisions. When you yeah. talk about, you know, we not having the electricity and having shutdowns, you know. Having, you know, for example, in our country up to now, yeah. Facebook is still illegal. It is burned down. You yeah. know, it is banned. Those are political decisions. Now, I want, I also, I was also aware of the apathy. But my young generation, well, our generation was growing in most of them avoid politics, they avoid associating poli- with politics because either it is too dangerous or too hot, or you know, because they have opportunities to you know to lead, to make a life that can allow them to access private private services. To them they don't care about you know the general masses of the people. But as a person who was raised by parents who heavily depended on you know, the efficiency of the government to be able to, you know, you know, you know to afford their, their children a good life or a meaningful life. I was aware that, you know, politics plays a very, very important role in ensuring that our society is better. And so, for me, when I started writing poetry, I wanted, and even when I was doing it in English, I wanted to create awareness that we as a generation have a role to play in our politics it is not just about the politicians it is not about the, the parliamentarians it is about we the people we who have had the, uh, the chance to go to school we who have the chance to perform in theater we who have the cha- we who have the privilege you know to to use our mouths as you know as as microphones it is our role to speak the pains of the people. It is our role to bring the plight of the underprivileged into the limelight. And mm. so for me, I have always used, uh, I've used my space to talk about the uncomfortable. And in fact, I don't, I don't know if you know this, some of my plays have been banned from the National Theatre.
0: Uh, I mean, because I, I, yeah, I didn't know that, that some of your books or some of your plays have been banned at the Uganda National Theatre. Yes. And that's that. That brings another question I wanted to ask you. Yeah, mm-hmm. the environment of Uganda for activism and writing writers who are activists is not that good. I mean, true, are you not true. worried because your books have been burnt your plays have been burnt Are you no. not worried about your life as a, as a person who's really using your voice to speak for the voiceless?
1: Uh, I. I, I I will be lying to you if I say I am not worried but Otaku, this is what I have told myself I have prepared I have, me I have I have I am ready to die that's the first thing secondly every time I go on stage to recite a poem I know that it might that must be my that might be my last moment alive I know I know it for a fact, so I deliver my poems, I recite my poems as if someone is going to arrest me, as if someone is going to shoot me when I walk off stage. So it is something that I am aware of. But then I am also aware that I have not done anything wrong. That like I, I have not committed any crime. I am within the ambit of the law. The law is on my side. You know, what is not, what, Whatever is not on my side is unlawful. I have the freedom to express myself. I, I, it is enshrined in the Constitution. It is a God-given right. It is not the government, it is not the gun that gives me that right. The right is inherent. You know, for sure you know this, that I, I don't just pu- publish my works. I've also published the works of people like Kapwenza, who have been you know, arrested. Kapwenza is a Ugandan author who was arrested and tortured for his novel and memoir and now he lives in germany in exile and i'm still in uganda selling his books marketing his books because i know it is not a crime to write a novel yes no matter no matter what the no matter what the current regime postures it is not a crime yeah. and for me no matter how much they use fear for me i want to stand on the side of the law I want to st- I want to stand on the side of the truth and say, come and buy and buy. Someone has to s- someone has to stand and take a firm stand and say this is the law. This is what is right. No matter what you do, this is this is the this. For me, the leader said that I want to at least if I want people to remember me, I want people to remember Kagai as someone who stood on the side of the truth somebody who stood on the side of the law and if it means paying the price for it come watch me make sure to leave a review this makes our day and fuels future episodes hear my true story hit subscribe and don't miss the next episode hear my true story
0: Okay. I mean you already you mentioned about um, a, a Ugandan publisher called K- Kakwenza. A
1: Ugandan who, author, yes. A, a, a
0: Ugandan author, yeah, a Ugandan yes. author. And I fold his story when he was arrested, tortured, you know, and then he's living in exile here in German and then you publishing his books in Uganda as you have said. And then this brings another question. I mean Why did you, as a person, decide to publish a book when you see the the, the, the writer of that book is in exile because of the same book and you are publishing it? Don't you get threats? Uh,
1: Well, I, I... Why did I... First and foremost, why did I decide to publish... First and foremost, he's a very good writer. He's a very, very good writer. The book is humorous. The book... Is is the story is engaging? The story is Ugandan. It is it is political commentary. It is social commentary. So for me, it is a book. The contents of the book fall within the ambit of the work that I wish Ugandans to read. That is the first reason. It is a good book. Secondly, it is selling. It like people want to read him. People want to read Kapwesi's works. And for me, I am also aware of the fact that most Ugandan writers who run to exile, find foreign publishers, who publish their books in Europe, but not in Uganda. So you find that Ugandans don't have access to these works. So for me, as a, as a local publisher, I wanted, and I still want people to access these books on the local market. I want these books to be produced locally, because it is a local Ugandan story. Now, do, we, do I get threats? Fortunately, no. Fortunately, no. Oh, do, 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 do. I, I work in an environment that is very volatile. There are some people who don't want to... Uh, some, some of the censorship that we face is from our peers. Now there are some organizations not, that don't want to associate with Kagai all Kitara Nation, all my brand, because I I, 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 am, I, I, I am publishing I am I, I am performing my poems, I, I am writing plays that are political you know so so some of the censorship that we face is self-censorship, and it is from within our it is from our own peers. It is not even from the state this it's a, it is our friends who drum up who you know who beat the drums of of, of, of fear you know and I am lucky that I'm here to face the, the you know the tragedy that capenza has faced. I don't wish it upon myself. But then I also know that I have not done anything wrong.
0: Okay, yes. I get that. Uh, could you may- maybe uh, just tell us about the book from Kakuenza, What the title of the book, what mm-hmm. it is called? So,
1: yes, so Kakuenza wrote a novel that is entitled The Greedy Barbarian, and it is about a, a, a fictitious country called Kalenda. And Kalenda is, is a country where this particular leader comes from another country, and 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 he becomes a president. But when he becomes a president, he he, he mismanages the affairs of the state. And the book, the book, uh, the book also uh, for foretells what, what happens to the president. He loses power and etc. But the the story has been. Relatable has been related to so many people as to be the story of President Jair Bolsonaro. But those names are not mentioned anywhere. It is a fictitious book. So Kaweza was arrested for writing that novel and tortured. Then when he, when he was released after, he wrote another book called Banana Republic, where writing is treasonous. and that book is a memoir about his experiences when he was taken to the to the criminal to to the you know to the chief military chief militancy investigations or in 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 brackets CMI facilities where he was tortured. And, and and in that book he chronicles how, when and who tortured him, how it was done, how he was how he was you know how he was stretched and you know made neck, you know stripped naked, how he was whiplashed on the back, how they poured water on him, how they did waterboarding etc., etc. and and then how he was being interrogated about the book and slapped left right and center he talks about all that he talks about how he was you know, well, they put a hood on his head and then they make him travel around, they, they took him to the, the, the Chireka, you know, the, the, Chireka, the Chireka facility where high criminals are kept, you know, and so it is a book that chronicles what happened to him. Now, after it was, after, he, after its release, Capenza was arrested again, and again tortured, and then when he comes out of prison, that's when, that's when he, at first those two books were self-published, it was after his second arrest that he approaches me and he talks about the possibility of Kagai of Kitara Nation publishing his works. And it was after we had signed the contracts and vendor deals that he was arrested the third time. And it is for the third time that he was badly beaten and he came out with rotting flesh, you know, and, and then his, his passport was confiscated and then somehow, somewhere, he managed to get out of the country and find himself in Berlin where he is at the moment. And yes, so for just telling his story uh, about what happened to him, he was, he was arrested. And I asked him the question, why is it that he was so eager to tell his story even when he was still in Uganda? And he told me the same thing. He said, Kade, I don't want to wait for this government to leave power. I don't, want, I don't want to wait to first go to exile. I want to tell my story now. I want the Ugandans to know what is going on. I want the world to know what, is, what happens in Uganda when you write a novel, when you, when you write a memoir about what has happened. So for me, his, his activism, his need for a story to be urgent, to be put out there, really coincided with my own understanding of what Ugandan literature should be, and you know our desire to make Ugandan literature popular within Uganda, and, and, and so that is why we, we, we kept working
0: together. Wow it's really a hard story to listen to from your friend, a writer, and your friends have seen you. You met him when you came to Germany. You really met him and you had conversations about these things. Yes. Yeah, I, I can just say I respect you for your energy and also for your strong voice to keep speaking about what is happening in Uganda and to speak for people who cannot speak for themselves. That's a very strong... Determination, my brother Kagai. I'm so proud of you. That's what I could say. Thank
1: you.
0: Yeah. Our dear listeners, I would like to say, because of time, we cannot continue. But you can join us in part three of this conversation as we continue to talk with Kagai Ngobi to get to know more about what his publishing company does in Uganda and how it works with young people in schools, and also within the communities of Uganda. I hope you don't miss this coming episode with Kagai Ngobi. We
1: not only have voices for a podcast, but also faces for YouTube. Don't miss your next episode. Hear my true story.
0: For listening to our podcast, music by Edwin Matovo, hosted and produced by Otako. Subscribe to our podcast for more stories and visit us on our website, hearmytruestory.com, for more stories. All the links are listed in the show notes of this podcast.